is that your fault and is that my fault that I write? I would never become before you in the position of a complainant for doing something that I must do. going on once again this is Arden Franklin here bringing you into another edition of the writers podcast thank you as always for listening tuning in showing your love our next guest is somebody who before I started recording I was like dang when did I initially meet this dude then I was like ah yes Upper West Side Columbia University during the 2018-2019 college basketball season for folks that know my sports writing efforts, you know, I'll cover closely Ivy League basketball, especially Columbia University, both the men's and women's teams. I know this is a, a, a rule in sports journalism, but go Lions. They already know the vibes. You know what I'm saying? Um, and during a game, I think it was a Friday afternoon game, too, because it was like 6 o'clock, so the early Friday yeah. afternoon games at yeah. Levine Gym. We all had a chance just to meet up. We're covering the beat. It's me. It was one of my guys from the New York Times. And then, of course, the student section – knowing that it's actually the grad students, they're in their final year, and then me and my guy kicked it there, became cool. I did an NBA playoff special in which he joined me, me, him, my, my, my guy Jamal, along with my dude Reed, who uh, captured everything and made sure the vision was just captured so beautifully. And ever since then, my guy's been down in South Beach, living, Fighting a good fight in journalism, making sure these That's stories clear. are covered right, making sure the facts mm-hmm. is there, as That's he's been clear. a part of the excellent team that they got at the Miami Herald, covering a variety of stories, whether we're talking about stories involving Dwayne Wade's life after basketball to interviewing the legendary Trina to this, what is happening around the city of Miami. Uh, you are he. This is not only my guy, but this is a writer who I really respect, so I'm always in tune with his work. We got my guy Isaiah Smalls in the building. What's up, bro? Well, what's going on, man? I really appreciate the love, man, and, and it's reciprocated, bro. I this this is that guy, though. This is really that guy. You know what I'm saying, he's, uh, he's I appreciate that, man. I'm I, trying, man. But again, bro, you really doing your thing, you know, appreciate down it. in Miami. It's not it's not easy, too. By the way, before we really get into the questions, you know, yeah. being a being a, a younger guy in the game, and one of your first assignments, and it kind of goes against the grain, really, of what used to be the old regard in journalism, where it's like, oh, you got to start in a small market and work your way up. And maybe if you 10 to 15 years in the game, you could be to a big market. It's like, nope, bro got two degrees and Miami right off the bat, Miami for the Herald. Crazy. But before we even get into that, because I definitely want to touch on that. This has been my favorite question to ask everybody that's been on the show so far. What was your earliest writing memories? What made you go, Hey man, Writing among any other thing I'm doing in my life right now is something I want to do. What was it? Uh, so for me, like it really wasn't like college at Morehouse. You know what I'm saying? Because like, yep. I hated writing before. <laughs> I'm not gonna even lie to you, bro. I hated it in high school. I hated it. But like my teacher in high school was like always like, oh, you should you know join the newspaper. Uh, but I was like, nah, like I'm playing sports. Like I don't got time for that. Nah, like yeah, go somewhere with that. But in in college, you know, I was a cinema, television, emerging media studies major, which is a long way to say film. Mm-hmm. And so it was either like writing scripts or doing something else. And personally, you know, I didn't really see myself as a as a filmmaker, script writer, any of that jazz. 
but I knew that I love sports and I always wanted to be on ESPN. And so you start looking at those journeys, whether it's a Stephen A. Smith or, you know, a Skip Bayless or whatever, you know, they started as writers, you know, you got to yeah. build that platform first. So I was like, shoot, you know, I, I guess I got to do that. I enrolled, I, I played fresh, I played football my freshman year at Morehouse. Mm. And then I took a season off to like focus on other stuff. Um, and that's when I found journalism. I took my first basic news writing class. I actually read, uh, reread the first article I wrote on make, what was it? Um, wow. The, okay. Give it to us. The Made in America, Made in America joint. I went really in okay. 2016, I think, uh-huh. and I like basically wrote something up on that. And yeah, I'm, I'm gonna give you a little secret right here. I interviewed only my friends. Like I did not, I did not <laughs> interview random people. Like yep. I looked through that. I interviewed only my friends because it was like the assignment was, oh, you had to go to a book fair. But I had already, I told my professor like I had tickets. You know, I'm going to Made in America. I can do it on that. Uh-huh. And I, bro, that joint was awful oh my god <laughs> oh boy but hey that's an experience right there and that's actually yeah. funny because it's like it's always fun getting to learn about other writers beginnings in this because there's writers who picked it up at a very young age and then there's folks like yourself who pick it up in college and then it's like all right what was that first thing that you really sunk your teeth in and and i really want to touch you on morehouse because again we're talking about the legendary morehouse uh, morehouse historical black college and honestly as much as people know about morehouse and know about hbcus rarely do we in my opinion get to hear all right what is it really like to study there especially when you do have something that you're yeah. serious about so i would love for you to, to tell me and the audience about that because like i said i've heard of hbcus i've know about a bunch of them i've heard about it but i've rarely seen people actually get into like, yo, this is what it's like to be there, to study what I really wanted to do and just lock in? I think what makes HBCU so unique is that it's such a breeding ground of, of black talent, like people that yeah. look like you, you know what I'm saying? And specifically being at Morehouse, Morehouse is part of the Atlanta University Center, which is a consortium between us, Spelman, and Clark Atlanta. And so, and, there, and then there's like Morris Brown and then the a couple more joints, but it's, it's yeah. really like those big three. It's really big, those big three. And so like being able to see successful black people on a daily basis, it just does wonders for your psyche. You know what I'm saying? So personally, you know, I'm seeing as a freshman, this dude get this internship, this dude go on to work at this company. I'm like, whoa, I need to start, you know what I'm saying? Get my bag, you know? And so yeah. like I was, and I think I, I was just blessed. I was like, you know, God put me in the right place at the right time because my junior year, um, Bill Roden gets goes to the undefeated and he yep. creates this uh, fellowship, you know, specifically for people at HBCUs. So he comes down my homecoming weekend, I think it's homecoming 2017. And he's like, Hey, like, you know, Oh no, homecoming 2016. He's like, yo, I'm creating this, uh, this fellowship for, for people at HBCUs and we're going to teach you how to be sports journalists. And I'm nice. like, oh, like I got I got to apply, you know. You got to. It's a must. Exactly. So I, I applied. I get it. And then it just started, like, taking off from there, you know. Like, um, my byline is now on an ESPN site. You know, I get mm-hmm. so much teaching, training from not just, you know, uh, Mr. Roden, 
uh, Justin Tinsley at the undefeated Aaron Dodds, yeah. all of them just really just, you know, showing me what it's like. Incredible to, pens, man. Exactly. Pens. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and so I'm just there just learning, you know, and I got to shout out uh, Ron Thomas at, at Morehouse and David J. Dennis at Morehouse as well, who really like showed me that, you know, you can be a black sports journalist because if you really think about it, there's not really a lot of us, man. There's really <laughs> not. There's yeah. really not. And I'm happy you said that, Isaiah, because it led me into this next question that I already had, you know, in the tuck, man, which is it, it is very rare for us just across the board and, and black media, whether it's uh, fellow brothers to our sisters. And for your experience so far, especially as somebody that is now in the game, man, like how does it feel navigating in this space where – like you said, there's there's very few of us, especially when it's not somebody that you know, like I know you, you know me, you mm -hmm. know people, I know people. But besides that, it's like we don't know nobody, you know, it's like one out of 10 that we yeah. may see somebody of some color that are operating in this space. How's that been like for you? So I think it's important to find mentors and people that will vouch for you um, in any space that you're in, you know, whether it's journalism, business, it doesn't matter. You know, so personally, I think that's what I sought out. I mean, at the Herald, there's me, Devon, David, Jackie. So there's, and then JD who's an editor. So there's five black people in the newsroom, you know? And so yeah. you, you walk over, you walk in and it's like, good Lord, like, what am I going to do? Especially coming from the undefeated, where it's like 95% of that staff is black. Mm -hmm. So it, it was kind of like a culture shock to me. But I think in the, the, the thing that I did, quite well was like try to find a community of people that are vouch for you you know and I think mm. in relying on those mentors both that you make inside the newsroom but then outside as well yeah. I've, I've had many many nights calling Mr. Roden like just trying to figure out okay I just got this email what does this mean you know yeah. and you know it's 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 important to have those because you know those are people that have been through things you know yeah. um, Mr. Roden has been in the business much like like 50 plus years, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. that man is, he's, he's a legend, you know? So like being 100%. able to have someone like that speak to you and then just, it's always about working hard too. Again, like, I mean, like once you get into this, into those spaces, like busting your, your ass, can I cuss? I'm sorry. hundred percent. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> busting your ass is, is, is huge because, you know, you distinguish yourself. I think that's how I got a lot of the opportunities at the Herald because, you know, I technically was hired as a news writer. But, uh -huh. you know, I made it known from day one that, you know, I played football at least a season. You know what I'm saying? I played clean yeah. football at least a season. You know, I, I know the game of football. I know sports in general. Like, I'd love to help out. Yep. You know, the sports editor sends me to a UM football game. Mm. And, you know, he likes what I produce so much that every home game he just keeps sending me. You know, That's and tough. so that – that that opportunity led to me getting to cover the Super Bowl for a week, you know, mm, and that's yeah. like, and, and that's an even you know amazing opportunity. That's something that like I never thought I'd be able to do. That made me happy. That. I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate it, especially you know at you know I was 23 at the time. I had like you know I'm sitting next. to I'm actually in the that, the craziest part about that is that I get to cover that game you know alongside Mr. Road and he's sitting. Yep. Uh, in the press box, and I'm like, and that they made like some makeshift joint, but we we. Mm -hmm. We saw each other, we connected, you know, we talked and it was just an amazing experience to just be there. And it just came full circle because to be honest, like 100%. I wouldn't be where I am, you know, without him, you know, so. hundred percent, man. Even with, you know, again, man, salute to Mr. Roden, like crazy enough, this was years ago 
I never met him, but I had a chance to meet one of his nephews, salute okay, to Kyle, wow. uh, Kyle Dugley, and they did like some shows together. And I remember when we was talking, this was like I was young, 19, 20, like, yeah, man, just sinking my teeth into sports writing. And he was like, oh, you into sports writing? I'm like, yeah. He's like, yeah, like my, my uncle's like Bill Roden. I'm like, Bill Whoa. Roden from like ESPN Sports Reporters that I watch like every Sunday morning? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, and that's why it's so dope even just hearing that, man, because it's like guys like him understand what it means to pass it forward. And, and that's something yeah. that I feel like for us, our age, our ages, like we got to understand that we can do that even if right now. Because he comes from that school where it's like, and there's no disrespect, where it's like folks had to really work and establish themselves to feel as if, oh, now I can give back. You know, where now it's like we're in a position because of social media, because of these chances where similar to me and you, we can meet where it's like, yo, we can literally talk in like the DMs or emails or connect through here and just help each other out. So I, I really just love hearing that just put each other on, especially in our community where – Despite the fact that there's sports where we literally fill up the population of sports, yep. we, our people aren't covering us. Yep. You, you know what yep. I'm saying? And even just to get to that as well, you know, especially when it comes to lessons, all of us as writers, whether it's when it comes to the actual writing itself to like me and you covering games, um, what were some of your biggest lessons learned so far? I think personally it was like speed, you know, being able to turn stuff around that fast. Yeah, you know, that that was a big one for me. Another one was, and this is, I'll never forget this. My one of my professors at Columbia, they told me to like use all five of your senses. You know, when you walk into a room, like that's what you have to do. You know, obviously we rely mostly on our on our eyes and our ears, but like you know, you know, smell something. Like if, if there's some, you know, and just that little detail can make your story like so much better. I, I know something recently I wrote. It was on, on people who had felony convictions that were voting for the first time in Florida. Mm. And so it was like, it was one of those things where, you know, I, I was just in the space. I was trying to figure out what's going on. And I'm talking to a lady and she shows me her shirt. And I'm like, okay, like what's on that? You know? And so she had her um, department of corrections number right here. And then wow. she had her voter registration number right there. And oh, so wow. I, I throw that little detail in there and like, it, it's a it, it, that story makes front page and I'm like whoa like okay this is the first time I've had a front page byline by myself I've shared it with other people but this yeah. is something that you know I did by myself and so it's one of those moments where it's like wow like I appreciate that little piece of advice that you know even though obviously that's eyes you know I'm using a, my, my, my site but it still was that little detail you know that and awareness I, exactly exactly and that that awareness and that ability to to perceive certain things and just ask questions, I think is just huge. And then also like one of the things I'm starting to learn now is when you develop sources and all that jazz, like it's important to check in on them, you know, and protect them as well. Because a lot of times if you think about the history of the media, like people who look like us have done, have been done dirty, just straight up. They've been done dirty. And so when someone, you know, is willing to share a life, share a slice of their life with you, you have to protect that, you know, at the end of the day, you have to protect that. You can't make, you have to make sure that there, that no hurt, harm or danger will come to them. You know? And mm -hmm. I, that's something that I'm finding now that I'm covering the black community. And I know like how wrong we've been done. So I understand when someone doesn't want to talk to me, 
Uh-huh. And it, you know, when you when you encounter that, you you try to you try to convince them, but if if they're not budging, they're not budging, you know. Yeah. And so you got to just move on, and hopefully over time, you know, your name will get out in the community, and people will be like, "Hey, oh no, that's Isaiah. Like he's okay. He's good people, you know." Uh-huh. And so I think, and it takes time though. It just takes time. 100%. It's a lot of repetition. Absolutely, man. And even before going to this next question, even with what you was just alluding to with just that detail about the two numbers. And that's been a growing theme I've heard from the few writers I've been speaking with, which is it is those little details that make a story, you know, because it adds more. It makes a fuller picture. And I remember I was speaking with my guy DJ the other day about it. And DJ was like, because he also went to Columbia for grad school too. I think he, I think he went a year after you. And it was just, yeah. yeah. And it was on some stuff like, his professors tell him how, like, look, you don't want to just, when you're doing a feature on somebody, you don't want to basically write out somebody's resume. Like, you got to understand what it means to really paint a picture here to where, again, we talk about the senses, like the smell, the feel, expressions, just making it more of a fuller story. And just to get to the question, again, you're in a position where not only are you a black writer, you're somebody that is in a position where you are covering the black community during a time that is just a lot right now. And there's already a pressure as a black writer to of course deal with the things that come with it, especially in journalism, just the the politics and whatever. But now there's this pressure when it comes to actually creating things and reporting. During times like this, have you felt that additional pressure? Oh, definitely. I'm going to be, you know, straight up with you. In June, it was, I started this beat in in August. Yeah. uh, August 3rd, August 4th. But in June, it was just tough because, you know, everything with everything going on. I mean, like, I'm not going to lie to you. I was like crying in the shower some days, you know, because it's like, at at some point you have to like, at some point it just weighs on your soul so much because specifically with the role I was doing um, back, back then, I was writing describing George Floyd's death, murder, oh. not death, murder, um, yeah. multiple times. And that repetition, it just, it hurts. It weighs on you. It does, it does. And then, you know, when everything started happening with, whether it's Maude Arbery or, or Breonna Taylor, you know, it, it, it weighs on your soul, you know? And I think you have to find a way to just escape, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's watching television, doing something that you love, um, it, it, it helps me personally. That's why I moved to the beach because it's like yeah. when I go out when I walk to the beach and when I see yep. the water, I see how big the world is that it like makes me and my problems feel so small, you know, and mm-hmm. that it's, I get so wrapped up in my head often. And so it, it kind of allows me to center myself. It's like, okay, you know, you got to move forward. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. And I think it's, it's important to, to find that level of peace um, in times of, of, of chaos. Mm-hmm. And just uh, again, man, just continuing speaking about just what it's like to work during these times. And hopefully, it is not a question that gets you in trouble because it's definitely not that. I don't, I don't do them chasing questions to get somebody in trouble. But mm-hmm. like in positions where again, because cause this is a very important conversation to have. So that's why it's uh, I really want to focus in, especially for others that are going to be in your position of the very talented young. Uh, black or colored writer that's going to be working in a predominantly white establishment and it is taught least to just whether it's virtually or in person has the Miami Herald helped in terms of building a supportive safe environment for you guys to work to to proudly be black 
to be you to express how you feel. Again, I'm not trying to get you in trouble. It's just a question I really have, my guy. So I understand whatever your answer is. I think I think we're we're improving. We're getting better. Um, obviously we're not perfect, you know, and there's a lot of, you know, we're a lot of people, I don't, I don't want to be specific on, on, on who, but like, like we have to, there's a lot of undoing and like relearning certain things, you know, cause I think when you've, you know, the Herald's like 117 years old, when you've been doing something for that long, obviously, you know, the people that haven't been there that long, but like, it's the, it's the method. And yeah. the way that we keep doing things that I think some that some of us have had to unlearn, I think that is. 100%. Um, and but I think we're improving. I know the the news director of like our region, she tweeted like Black Lives Matter the other day because like personally, like I didn't know if I could actually say that because yeah. like I, I mean, I'm saying it in my in my circles and all that jazz. And, and if people who know me, like they know that obviously like I'm. Yeah, we know is, how you give it up. Exactly. But at the same time, you know, I'm not trying to lose my seat at the table because I know that if I'm gone, there's a whole community, a whole group of people that aren't seeing themselves, aren't having their voice in the paper, you know? And I think being able to balance that, it's, I mean, it's something that I'm still learning on a daily basis, you know? I'm still trying to, and with this new role, I feel like I'm more, I have more power to speak up. And I'm trying to do that more. And it, I mean, it, it takes time. You know, I think that we're, we're trying at, at least at the very least. And I, I can say that that's something more than that we've probably done in the past. Yeah. But I think that, you know, having these type of conversations, it's, it's important just not for not for them to unlearn their own biases, but for me to feel safer, you know, because like at the end of the day, like, if I don't feel safe in my work environment, I'm not gonna do a good job. And so it's a, it's, it's a balancing act that, that you know, we're, we're trying to improve at. We're trying, we are. I, and I'm, I think you know, them putting me in this position, I think is, is a step in the right direction. And I think we just have to keep, keep building and going up from there. Absolutely, last question I got for you, man, before I let you go. On, on a lighter note, again, man, you, you've been with the Herald, for over a year now and you've been actively working in this space for years now you can say that you know you get to that point where you know as as a certain uh favorite artist of mine has said you going from the rookie to the vet you know you in that transition um what has been your wow moment for you so far bro whether it's an article whether it's covering an event what has been that moment for you so far that has been your undisputed wow moment like I'm really doing this. This is really happening for me. And, and the future's bright. I think, and this is going to be like a, a, a terrible moment because it's actually like I folded, but it was a moment that like it, it showed, you know, like you said, like, okay, maybe I am here and maybe I, I have a lot more to offer. So during, it was, it was late December. It was around the time that the heat, the Lakers were in town to play the Heat, right? And mm. I had done a story on Unknown, which is LeBron James's story yep. that he owns with you know some of his friends. And I remember that. Yeah, and LeBron was coming by the store, and so the PR guy and I we have a great relationship. That's really my guy, Ken. Uh, and so like he, he texted me like, "Yo, like LeBron's coming by the store. Do you want to meet him?" And you know, 
I'm, I'm a huge LeBron fan. Like I grew up in Columbus, Ohio. Like that's my guy, you know, I, I even, I even supported him when he came down here because I knew what it meant. I knew what uh-huh. he needed, you know, uh-huh. I'm not really the biggest Lakers fan. And like, yep. I realized I had to take a step back, but that's still my uh-huh. guy. And so I was like, yo, I have to, you know what I'm saying? I went, got a new fit, you know, I got new <laughs> shoes, bro. Like I was like really about to, you know what I'm saying? I was pulling up fresh and while we're on the way, it's me, me and my homie, uh, one of the photographers who helped me do the, uh, do that story. We're like, bro, we're hungry. And I'm like, all right, Aww. cool. You know, there's a, uh, there's a Popeye's up ahead. Bro, come on. And there's, Popeye's, there's, a Chipotle, bro. there's a Chipotle close, but the Chipotle had to make a U-turn or whatever. And so I'm driving and I was like, bro, like, I'm not trying to make that U-turn. The, the Popeye's is on the side that we're going to. Let's just go there. We go there. For some weird reason, they take like 30, 40 minutes, man. Bro. And like, I'm sitting there like, bro, like we, and I'm looking at the time. I'm like, okay, they were cutting it close. Cause I, I was, we had left early enough to get there early, to be there, to be in place. You know what I'm saying? Cause apparently LeBron comes in, it's like, boom, 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 I'm out. Yeah. And so we, we get, we get to Popeye's, takes forever. We finally leave. We're shooting. We're, we're like, we're going now. Cause I'm like, bro, this is about to be that time. It's about to be that time. I get a text from Ken, like, hey, like, he's here. I don't see it. I'm still going, thinking I have time. I pull up to the spot, get out the car, you know, lock it, blah, blah, blah. We run in. And Ken's like, bro, he just left. He just left. And I'm like, shit, man. Like, I could have met like, one of my heroes, bro. Well, but Popeyes. It, exactly. <laughs> over Popeyes, bro. Over Popeyes, man. And oh, I think damn Popeyes. Was, this yeah, before the, was this before the sandwich or after the no, sandwich? No, no, this was after the sandwich, bro. Because I wanted the sandwich. I wanted the sandwich. <laughs> and the thing was, eventually I was just like, bro, I don't want the sandwich. Just give me whatever you have that I can put in my stomach now, man. Mm-hmm. And so basically what that moment showed me was that like, you know, I missed it for a reason, you know what I'm saying? Like I I wasn't there mentally, I wasn't there physically. There was something off about me in my presence that like showed me that like, okay, maybe it just wasn't my time, you know, it wasn't my time. But the fact that I had an opportunity to meet LeBron James, I think to me, like, that's one of the coolest things like that, that could ever happen, you know? And so like, I, it was one of those moments where it's like, damn, like I folded. My friend still gives me shit for it. He still gives yeah. me shit for it. But like the fact that, you know, I had the opportunity and that Ken and I have only like grown closer since then. And so it, anything pops off, like I'm, you know, getting the text like that. I think it's like, it showed me that, okay, maybe obviously like I haven't arrived yet because I don't like to, I don't like to, to say that, but it was one of those wild moments. Like, okay, like, you know, what's going to happen next year, you know, yeah, what's going to happen the year after that, maybe the year after that, you know, like, and it's just, and I'm only 24. So I'm like, I'm still kind of like naive to, to a lot of things, yeah. but I think it's one of those moments where I'm, I'm just, I was excited just to be considered, you know, so that in the Super Bowl, obviously, the Super Bowl was amazing. And seeing Pat Mahomes just come back and being like a little in like seeing like this this black man just ball, just flat out ball. What the day after Lamar Jackson, another black man yep. wins, wins MVP. See? It's like, wow, like, OK, maybe maybe I, I've arrived a little bit. I'm obviously I didn't win no Super Bowl, but it's like <laughs> it's like seeing, you know, just that celebration of blackness, you know. And I don't think other people couldn't really like fathom that if you if you're not black, if you didn't play football, if you didn't play sports and you didn't, you know, see 
this this miraculous comeback I think like you know they didn't really identify it like that as much as I did but I'm just sitting there like whoa like this is this is amazing I can't wait for next year you know so those